Listener discretion is advised. This episode features discussions of suicide. We advise extreme caution for listeners under 13. If you or someone you know is experiencing suicidal thoughts, don't hesitate to call or text the 988 Suicide and Crisis Lifeline at 988. Antwerp, Belgium, September 1913. The crew members of the SS Dresden pop their collars against the breeze while they prep the ship for the arrival of that day's guests. A young sailor, who we'll call Philip, watched as the passengers boarded. That's when he noticed a well-dressed, mustachioed man climbing the ramp toward the ship. The passenger approached Philip and asked him what time the ship was set to depart for England. Not for another two hours, Philip replied. The man seemed distressed by the response. Perhaps he didn't want to wait. Then, after some more back and forth, he turned around and disembarked. Philip thought maybe he'd return later, but that didn't seem to be the case. The next morning, the ship docked at its destination in Harwich, England. By now, whispers were swirling around the boat. Apparently, someone by the name of Rudolf Diesel had gone missing the night before. The police arrived at the docks to interview passengers and staff alike. When Philip heard the description of the man in question, a well-dressed, mustachioed man in his mid-forties, his interest was piqued. He was convinced Rudolf Diesel was the man he'd interacted with the day before. And if that was the case, he may have been the last person to see him before he disappeared. Welcome to Conspiracy Theories, a Spotify original from Parcast. Every Monday and Wednesday, we dig into the complicated stories behind the world's most controversial events and search for the truth. I'm Carter Roy. And I'm Molly Brandenburg. And neither of us are conspiracy theorists. But we are open-minded, skeptical, and curious. Don't get us wrong. Sometimes the official version is the truth. But sometimes it's not. You can find episodes of Conspiracy Theories and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. This is our second episode on the disappearance of Rudolf Diesel, inventor of the world-changing diesel engine. The last episode, we covered Rudolf Diesel's tumultuous life. From his humble beginnings to the creation of his revolutionary engine, all the way to his mysterious disappearance from a steamship crossing the English Channel. This time, we'll examine two conspiracy theories surrounding what may have happened to Rudolf Diesel. Some say German Secret Service agents killed him off. Others think the famous inventor faked his death at the peak of his success. But his friends and family have other ideas. We have all that and more coming up. Stay with us. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. 
bottling everything up can be really bad for you in the long run and have some terrible consequences. And this isn't a conspiracy theory. The more you let things build up, the more of a toll it can take on your mental health. I know for me, in dealing with some traumatic events in my life, I had the tendency to think, well, they've already happened. I'm okay. Other people have it worse. It doesn't matter much. And through therapy, was really able to understand how those events impacted me and changed how I'd started to see the world in ways that weren't great and were sometimes making my life worse. So therapy or dealing with any traumatic events you've had might really help you in terms of how you can live in the present moment now. So if you want to give therapy a try, check out BetterHelp. It's entirely online, convenient, and flexible. It's also really easy to get started. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com conspiracy today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash conspiracy. If you're interested in crazy stories from the wild world of organized crime, scams, gangs, cartels, mafias, drug dealers, and everything fun like that, have we got a podcast for you. The Underworld Podcast is hosted by two conflict journalists, Danny Gold and Sean Williams, who have reported on all sorts of dangerous people in dangerous places. Every week, they bring you a new episode on international organized crime from a new corner of the globe. You can find the Underworld podcast on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. There's a new class of blockbuster drugs. Drugs like Ozempic. They're changing bodies. And all of a sudden, just the weight starts falling off. Fortunes. It just got too expensive. They're just bank breakers and industries. There was a lot of excitement. There was a lot of skepticism. The impact of these drugs from business to health is just beginning. From the journal, Trillion Dollar Shot. Find it in the journal feed wherever you get your podcasts. Rudolf Diesel, the German engineer whose name-bearing engine revolutionized the shipping and manufacturing industries as we know them today. Ironically, just as his invention was poised to take over sea travel, Rudolf Diesel vanished from a steamship crossing the English Channel. His mysterious and untimely case monopolized the headlines, causing the public's imagination to run amok. Before long, there were wild accusations about his death and his potentially top-secret life. Which brings us to today's first conspiracy theory, that Rudolf Diesel may have been murdered by an unexpected foe, the German Secret Service. To understand this one, we'll have to give you a little background on both the history and science of engines at the time, but trust us, it's pretty interesting. In the early 1900s, the world could feel everything shifting. War was on the horizon, and countries like Great Britain and Germany were looking for ways to bolster their naval fleets, particularly their submarines. At the time, subs were mostly powered by large, heavy steam engines. For them to work, a flame was required to burn coal. 
This heated the water, which produced steam that powered the propellers. It was a dangerous process aboard a sealed, airtight vessel. These steam engines also needed air to operate, which meant the submarines had to surface. And once the vessels emerged from the water, the coal-powered engines were turned on. After enough steam built up inside their tanks, the submarine went back underwater until the process needed to be repeated. To say it was tedious would be an understatement. That's where Rudolf Diesel supposedly came in. His engines didn't require burning coal, so in theory, they were safer and easier to operate on the surface. They were also typically paired with an electric motor, which allowed them to stay underwater for longer periods of time. In the late 1800s, Rudolf Diesel oversaw ways to practically apply his engine to sea warfare, which, if accomplished, would be revolutionary. But this new design supposedly presented new challenges for Rudolf. Around this time, Rudolf began selling patent licenses for his engine worldwide. According to some sources, this caught the attention of the head of the German Imperial Navy, Grand Admiral von Tirpitz. He was desperate to keep Rudolf Diesel's engine out of the hands of their rivals including countries like Great Britain. Germany, with far fewer coastal miles than other Western European powers, was already at a disadvantage. They had to travel further to get to the ocean. If Britain got a hold of Rudolf Diesel's invention, their battle subs, coming from an island, would have the advantage of traveling longer distances at a lower cost. If a war were to happen at sea, Germany wouldn't stand a chance. Which is why the Imperial Navy tried to get exclusive rights to the diesel engine. But Rudolf wanted his invention to change the world, not just one nation. So he continued licensing out his engine to anyone who could afford the fee. Shortly after ignoring the request, it's rumored that Rudolf was called to Berlin on official state business. Although the date of this meeting is unclear, there is some information on what was discussed. According to author George Minto and an article he wrote for the Sydney Morning Herald titled Diesel, Victim of Murder, it was at this meeting Rudolf Diesel was reminded of his roots. Despite having grown up in Paris, he was still a German citizen, which made him a subject of the country's emperor. The German government's council supposedly wasted no time citing an old Prussian law. Any militaristic invention by a German citizen had to be presented to the state for first refusal. Rudolf, they argued, could face charges of high treason for failing to have done this. At the time, that could have resulted in the death penalty. However, they were willing to make an exception. The lawyers assured Rudolf he would be pardoned if he canceled his patents with other countries and worked exclusively for Germany here on out. To sweeten the deal, they told him the German emperor himself might even offer Rudolf a medal. But Rudolf refused to budge. Instead, he continued selling his patent licenses abroad. 
Aware of the value his invention brought to the impending war, Rudolph supposedly attempted to perfect his engines further. Specifically, he wanted to work out any bugs that might hinder his engines when used in underwater travel. By 1913, there were rumors Rudolph had developed a more optimal engine for submarines. Excited by the possibilities, Rudolph set out to market the new and improved version. Despite their tense previous encounters, Rudolph allegedly reached out to the German Imperial Navy once more to gauge their interest. It's rumored von Tirpitz spoke to Rudolph personally this time. But once again, von Tirpitz wanted exclusive rights for Germany's new U-boat submarines. And once again, Rudolph reiterated it was his property and he would continue licensing it out to anyone he pleased. And finding other interested parties didn't prove hard. In fact, Rudolph's biggest potential customer was rumored to be none other than Jackie Fisher, an admiral of the British Royal Navy. Fisher had heard about Rudolph's latest advancements from friends in London and promptly reached out. The admiral supposedly told him that Britain was not only interested in, but willing to pay an exorbitant amount for his improved engine, which was exactly what Rudolf Diesel wanted to hear. Allegedly, the men agreed to meet in London for further discussion. The timing worked well for Rudolf, who was already set to attend the opening of his new factory in England that October. It was also the perfect cover. The inventor and admiral could talk freely without raising suspicions. On September 29, 1913, Rudolf Diesel boarded the England-bound SS Dresden in Antwerp, Belgium. He was probably confident von Tirpitz was not privy to his plan but he may have been mistaken. Some sources said Rudolf slipped up and complained to a few German business associates about the way his government was treating him. And he told these same people about his secret meeting with Admiral Fischer, figuring he'd get the last laugh. But he may have trusted this sensitive information with the wrong people, because word allegedly got back to von Tirpitz. According to Minto's article, the German government then hatched a plan to prevent Rudolf Diesel from reaching his destination. Minto claimed a German secret service agent was dispatched to the SS Dresden, and the assassin was supposedly waiting for Rudolf in his cabin later that night. The operative allegedly attacked Rudolf in his room, murdering him in cold blood. Then, according to Minto, they may have shoved his body through the cabin's porthole, where the sea swallowed any evidence of the crime. This story has all the trappings of a good conspiracy theory. A secret agent, a covert assassination, a government cover-up. But can we trust it? Unfortunately, the evidence seems to be entirely based on one source. In all of our research, Minto was the only person we could find that touted this theory in his article on the subject. And it was published 50 years after the incident. And Minto based most of his claims on one alleged interaction. 
while frequenting a secondhand bookstore in Geneva, Switzerland, presumably uh, around the 1950s, he came to know an old German man. This person regularly spoke to Minto about the days before the war. One day, Rudolf Diesel was mentioned in the German stories. The man then sprouted a light grin and said Rudolf was a clever fellow, but a nuisance. As he walked out of the shop, he supposedly muttered a few ominous words to Minto. He said, quote, we had to get rid of him. While fascinating, I have to agree, this theory falls flat when you learn it's based on one newspaper article and one person's account, especially when you realize some of the facts are reported incorrectly. For instance, Minto's version claimed the body dredged from the English Channel was identified as Rudolph's by his son, but most other sources claim the body was only seen by a fisherman who had to abandon it when the weather worsened. There's one other inconsistency. According to Minto, it was 1913 when Diesel and Von Tirpitz argued over the engine's licensing a second time. But if you remember from part one, Rudolph had renounced control over the licensing of his engine back in 1898. This means the engine wasn't his property to sell by the time the encounters with German officials allegedly began. To top it all off, we lack any proof that Rudolph himself developed an engine designed specifically for submarines in the first place. So, as fun as this theory is, I don't think, excuse my pun, but it holds any water. I agree. But there's an even more fascinating claim about Rudolf Diesel's final days, one that involves debt evasion, a trip to Canada, and a potential body double. Coming up, did Rudolf Diesel disappear from the SS Dresden on purpose? I'm Darnell Ishmael, guest host of Bass Reeves, No Master But Duty the special four-part miniseries from Solved Murders. I am honored to take you on a journey deep into the Old West to meet one of the greatest true crime heroes you may have never known existed, Bass Reeves. No Master But Duty reveals the true story of a formerly enslaved man who went on to become one of the most legendary U.S. Deputy Marshals in the American West, bringing justice to over 3,000 criminals. Follow Solved Murders and catch all four episodes of Bass Reeves' No Master But Duty. Listen for free, only on Spotify. Now, back to the story. Fifty years after the death of Rudolf Diesel, a writer named George Minto came forward with a shocking theory that the world-renowned inventor might have been killed by the German Secret Service. Problem was, Minto's theory was never backed up by any other sources, and he claims the story comes from one German man he met in Geneva around the 1950s, several decades after Rudolf died. With so many plot holes, we're forced to examine another theory. And this one is debatably more fascinating than the last. 
Conspiracy theory number two suggests Rudolf Diesel didn't die at all after boarding the SS Dresden, and instead he may have faked his own death. In March of 1914, nearly six months after Rudolf Diesel disappeared, a mysterious headline graced the New York Times. It read, Report Dr. Diesel living in Canada. Supposedly, a source in Germany had received letters from the inventor himself. In them, Rudolf allegedly revealed he'd escaped the ship unnoticed, then fled to Canada. If these claims were true, it meant Rudolf Diesel was enjoying a peaceful retirement under an assumed identity. But what could have caused a wealthy, world-famous inventor to abandon his family and his legacy? Well, as it turns out, Rudolf may have had a few reasons to want a fresh start. As we discussed in our previous episode, Rudolf was a multimillionaire by the time he turned 40. But thanks to poor financial decisions, he was plagued by money troubles most of his life. These were compounded in 1897, after he gave up the rights, royalties, and licensing deals to his engine. By 1913, Rudolf was cash poor and in massive debt, with few real ways to monetize his world-changing invention. Furthermore, the engine that bore his name was constantly under attack. Inventors sued him for supposedly stealing their ideas, and customers accused him of making a shoddy product. These troubles may have triggered a yearning in Rudolf Diesel, a desire to start a new life, free of the financial burdens and the mistakes that plagued him. And there's actually some evidence to suggest Rudolf got his affairs in order just before boarding the SS Dresden. The first sign Rudolf may have been planning his escape from his own life took place in early September 1913, a week before his trip to England. The inventor gathered several valuable blueprints and documents related to his original patent. He then donated these artifacts to the German National Museum in Munich. Perhaps he was considering his place in history and didn't want his accomplishments lost to time. His next measure was undoubtedly more intriguing. Days before boarding the Dresden, according to renewable energy journalist Greg Paul, Rudolph gave his wife Martha a mysterious bag. He made her promise not to open it until the following week. Once news broke of Rudolph's disappearance, Martha finally opened it, and the contents were shocking. The bag contained financial statements revealing the troubled state of her husband's affairs. Nestled among the papers were 20,000 German marks, the equivalent of roughly $150,000 today. Some believe this was Rudolf's way of ensuring his family was taken care of after he fled. It might seem like he left a sizable amount of cash to his family, but Rudolph's debts far exceeded that amount. When the papers got hold of the inventor's financial problems, it was revealed he owed close to $375,000. That's about $11 million today. And that cash didn't seem to hold them over for long. Within two weeks of Rudolph's disappearance, 
Martha and the children were forced to move out of their lavish house. Everything inside was sold at auction. I find it hard to believe that Rudolf Diesel would have faked his death and left his family to shoulder the financial burden. If you recall from part one, he never so much as shared his troubles with Martha because he didn't want to worry her. Ultimately, the physical and testimonial evidence supporting the fake death theory is pretty slim. I would completely agree if the idea wasn't supported by one of the sailors aboard the SS Dresden. The man, who we named Philip earlier, claimed he'd spoken to a gentleman who looked like Rudolf Diesel two hours before the ship's scheduled departure. However, Philip said the lookalike left before the boat set sail, and he never returned. Even more interesting, Rudolf Diesel's name didn't appear on the ship's passenger log. And this log was reportedly created after the ship left Antwerp, which suggests Rudolf was in fact gone by the time the SS Dresden reached the English Channel. But the missing name on the ledger could have easily been a mistake, especially since the sailor's account directly contradicts many of the other testimonies taken from witnesses on that ship. If you remember from part one, Rudolph's friend and business partner, Georges Carrel, insisted Rudolph was on that ship. He said they even dined and smoked together until around 10 p.m. before they parted ways. Another steward then claimed to speak with Rudolph Diesel around 11 p.m. If we assume Rudolph did board the ship, as Carell and the steward claimed, then he would have had to sneak off the boat in the dead of night for his vanishing act to be true. Okay, even if he had safely escaped during the night, that doesn't explain why he left a sizable amount of cash beneath his pillow. And when it comes to reports of Rudolph living in Canada, there were no other sources to corroborate that information. With so many headlines covering his disappearance, you'd think at least one outlet might have spotted him and pitched this as a possibility. You're right. Plus, there's the matter of the body, which was allegedly discovered by a fisherman at the mouth of a Dutch river. He claimed it matched Rudolph's description perfectly, but how could that be if Rudolph Diesel was alive all along? What's more, his son confirmed personal items that were found in the deceased's pockets, including an enameled pillbox. If Diesel had faked his own death, that means the body found by the fisherman would have had to be a decoy. In which case, we're left to wonder, where and how did Rudolf Diesel get his hands on a doppelganger? The whole thing just seems unlikely. I agree. Between the multiple witness statements, the cash left behind, and his possible remains, there's more evidence than not to suggest Rudolf Diesel met his fate aboard the SS Dresden. And after wrapping up the assassination theory, I think we can rule out the idea that someone set out to kill Rudolf Diesel. After all, we don't know of any other possible suspects or motives. But if Rudolph wasn't murdered, and if he didn't fake his own demise, then what happened to the elusive inventor on that final trip to England after all? 
Coming up, friends and family offer their take on Rudolf Diesel's fate. Now, back to the story. Rudolf Diesel disappeared from the SS Dresden on September 29, 1913. Eleven days later, a body was found near the mouth of a Dutch river, close to where the ship accessed the English Channel. The body matched Rudolph's description, and the pocket seemed to hold a number of the inventor's personal effects. In the century that followed, many speculated about what could have happened to him the night he disappeared. After weighing out the evidence, it seems reasonable to assume Rudolf Diesel likely died by drowning. So the questions that remain are, how did this happen and what were the circumstances? First, let's consider the possibility that Rudolf Diesel's death was simply the result of an accident. At the time of his disappearance, this is what his family and friends mostly believed. In fact, they cited various reasons to support their claim. They pointed out that Rudolf had chronic insomnia. His wife and children claimed that maybe he'd been unable to sleep the night of the tragedy and instead paced the ship's deck late into the night. They then wondered if the boat could have been rocked by a wave, perhaps causing Rudolph to fall over the railing. There was also the matter of the inventor's poor physical health, which plagued him for most of his life. Right before his trip across the channel, he revealed to his wife that he'd been living with a heart condition. Just prior to this trip, he also went shooting in the Bavarian highlands of Germany. When he returned, he complained that he'd overexerted himself and could use some rest. So it wasn't unreasonable for them to assume Rudolph may have suffered a heart attack while walking the deck of the ship. And perhaps that's what caused him to accidentally fall overboard. At first glance, these ideas seem plausible. The only problem is, everyone aboard the SS Dresden said the sea was exceedingly calm that night. In fact, Rudolph's companion, Georges Carrel, described it as, quote, smooth as a mill pond. The idea falls apart further when you consider the layout of the boat itself. The SS Dresden had railings that were purposefully designed to prevent people from falling overboard. They extended nearly five feet high from the deck, making it nearly impossible for anyone to just tumble over from the side. At least unintentionally, because the truth of the matter may be that Rudolf Diesel chose to go overboard and died by suicide. Though Rudolf's family and friends initially denied this idea, some later admitted it seemed like the most probable scenario. After what seemed like Rudolph's body was fished from the river, Georges Carrel put out a statement saying perhaps, quote, something suddenly had given way in Diesel's brain. If you remember from part one, Rudolph had lived with mental health issues for the majority of his life. Some biographers even suggested he exhibited symptoms of manic depressive episodes or possibly bipolar disorder. The condition is primarily characterized by extreme mood swings, intense, productive highs, followed by moments of deep depression. 
while we aren't psychiatrists, there is anecdotal evidence that Rudolph exhibited similar behaviors, like intense obsession over his work, followed by low episodes over his perceived failures. Let's consider, too, that Rudolph's mental health issues may have been compounded by decades of stressful business dealings and near-constant attacks against his invention. Financial issues forced him to sell the rights to his engine, effectively sidelining him from his only source of income. Plus, he found himself embroiled in several lawsuits over the years. Even when Rudolph was no longer directly in control of his creation, it remained tied to his reputation. As a result, Rudolph was forced to watch his name get dragged through the mud, unable to do much about it. This was probably emotionally challenging for a man who cared so deeply about his legacy. Rudolph's son, Eugene, later wrote a book about his father, describing him, quote, like a sailor who looked in vain for the harbor. It was almost as if his father was constantly searching for solutions to his endless stream of troubles. Now, all of this isn't meant to suggest that someone struggling with their mental health might one day consider self-harm. But in Rudolf Diesel's case, the lack of other likely explanations makes it difficult to reach other conclusions, especially given some of the details that emerged in the weeks following his disappearance. Earlier, we mentioned how Rudolf had seemingly gotten his affairs in order before his fateful trip across the English Channel. He donated personal sketches and patents to a museum and left behind a bag with money and financial statements for his wife, which he told her to open at a later date. But in the days before his trip, the inventor also wrote personal notes to his wife and son. In his note to Martha, there were a few choice words that seemed to imply Rudolph was saying his goodbyes. Another troubling detail was found inside one of his personal belongings. Days after his disappearance, someone looked inside Rudolph's private journal. At first, it seemed benign. The pages were filled with ideas, notes, appointments, and other ordinary passages. But in his final entry, written on September 29th, the day Rudolph left for England, he penciled in a small cross. Considering Rudolph's history and the events that came to pass, some saw this as a sign, almost as if the inventor planned for that night aboard the SS Dresden to be his last. While there are a few unanswered questions, like whether that body the fisherman found really was Rudolf Diesel's, I have to say that, unfortunately, I think the most likely explanation is that the great inventor died by suicide. I have to agree. Given the evidence we've covered, it's a strong possibility. In the years after Rudolf Diesel's disappearance, crude oil became more widely available. As a result, the late inventor's engine was altered to run exclusively on petroleum, rather than coal dust and oil. Eventually, that type of petroleum also became known as diesel fuel. To this day, diesel remains the engine of choice for large-scale trucking and shipping operations. Unfortunately, Rudolph himself would never know the impact he made on the world. 
As for his wife Martha, well, thankfully the hard times that followed her husband's presumed death didn't last forever. Friends of the family came to her aid once they realized the extent of Rudolph's debts. Eventually, the German diesel industry agreed to give her a pension, an income that supported Martha for decades until 1944 when she died at the age of 85. Today's episode dealt with intense themes of suicide and mental health-related issues. If you or someone you know is going through a crisis, you can contact the 988 Suicide and Crisis Lifeline. They're available 24 hours a day, 7 days a week at 988, or you can speak to them online at 988lifeline.org. Thanks for tuning in to Conspiracy Theories. You can find all episodes of Conspiracy Theories and all other Spotify originals from ParCast for free on Spotify. For more information on Rudolf Diesel, amongst the many sources we used, we found Diesel's engine, the man and the evolution of the world's most efficient internal combustion motor by C. Lyle Cummins to be extremely helpful to our research. We'll be back next time with a new episode. Until then, remember, the truth isn't always the best story. And the official story isn't always the truth. Conspiracy Theories is a Spotify original from ParCast, executive produced by Max Cutler. Our head of programming is Julian Boireau. Our supervising sound designer is Russell Nash, with Nick Johnson as our head of production and quality control by Lisa Marie Gallegos. Ryan O'Leary-Jones is our supervising editor, and Derek Jennings is our writing lead. This episode of Conspiracy Theories was written by Danny Messerschmidt, edited by Wendelin Sobroso and Lori Marinelli, fact-checked by Kevin Johnson, researched by Sapphire Williams, recorded by Alex Button, produced by Bruce Kotovich, and sound designed by Anthony Valsic. Our hosts are Molly Brandenburg and me, Carter Roy. I'm Darnell Ishmael. This February on Solved Murders. Join me for a four-part miniseries on the incredible life and career of Bass Reeves, one of the preeminent U.S. Deputy Marshals in the American West. In Bass Reeves, No Master But Duty, discover how a man born into slavery took freedom by force and brought over 3,000 criminals to justice, including his own son. Follow Solved Murders and catch all four episodes of Bass Reeves, No Master But Duty. Listen for free, only on Spotify.